Good morning. Welcome to Radius Church Online. Uh, we are so glad to have you today. My name is Trey Sheely. I am the campus pastor at Saluda. And last week we started talking about the theme of Advent. On December 6th, our groups got together in Centerville, Radius Centerville, and we had a great time of celebrating the Advent season. We had great worship, and we also heard from some of our pastors. And it was such a great night that we wanted you to be able to hear what everybody had to say that night. So last week you heard from Ryan Maloney as he talked about how the Word became flesh. And you heard from Russell Johnson as how he talked about the light came into the world. So today, we're going to hear from our teaching pastor at White Knoll, Derek Lifridge, as he's going to talk about life, and the campus pastor here at Lexton, Russell Johnson, as he's going to talk about love. It's been a fun series, and, and we've loved doing this, and so we hope you enjoy this. But before we get to that, I just want to read the verses that we have been using as we have been working through this Advent. This comes from John 1 and Colossians 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So before we kick it over to Derek, just let me pray for us this morning. God, we just thank you that we can take a time of the year and just focus on who you are. Um, God, I pray for us as we live in a world that uh, has just commercialized the idea of Christmas, God, that we do not get caught up in the gifts and, and the trees and all this other stuff, which is great, God, but I pray that we don't miss you, that all that we're doing during this time is just because of you. So over the next couple of weeks, God, I pray that we really get it, Lord, that, that, that we focus on the fact that you loved us, that you are the light, um, that life is through you and how you became flesh. So today, God, as we hear your word shared, I pray that we open up our hearts and we learn a little bit more about you and we learn how to love you more and how to follow you more. And we're just grateful for all that you have done and all you will do. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. John 1 and 4 lets us know that Jesus gave us life. Life, a sentence of any type of imprisonment where a defendant is required to remain in prison for all of their natural life. Romans 6 and 23 lets us know that our sins, our crime, make us guilty and worthy of such a punishment and such a sentence. Scripture further lets us know that we have been proven guilty and still in our sins. But God, on sentencing day, the eternal judge shocks the entire world and does the completely unexpected. In the biggest turn of events since Chick-fil-A decided to come out with mac and cheese, in the biggest courtroom turn of events since Judge Judy, season three, episode five, God shocks the entire world and instead of giving us life, get this, he gave us life. 
Instead of giving us life as a sentence, he gave us life as a prize. Instead of giving us life, he gives us life. Instead of giving us punishment, he gives us a prize. Instead of giving us a penalty, he gives us a present. He could have given us a sentence, and he would have been well within his rights. He would have been completely right to do so, but he decided to give us a gift. But not just life in any sense. Job 3 lets us know that that life will be a place where the wicked will cease from trouble and weary souls will be at rest. Revelations 21 lets us know that he will wipe away, God himself will wipe away all tears from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things will be passed away. And the best part of that for me is that this life isn't another 70 or 80 or 90 years that is better than the first 70 or 80 or 90 here on this side of, of, of eternity. But that time, that second life, it will be for eternity. You get that? Eternity. The Bible teaches us that when we spend, uh, we are to spend some time here on earth, 70, 80, 90 years, and then we will spend the rest of creation with him in eternity. If you were to take one grain of sand, just one grain of sand off of the ground, and that grain of sand represented 70, 80, 90 years here on this earth, every other grain of sand on every beach, every other grain of sand on earth would represent the rest of the time that we would have with God in eternity. Doesn't that make what you're going through so small? Doesn't that make what you're experiencing, the grief on this side of life, uh, doesn't it make it seem not so bad? God is so good. He has been so good to us. And being upset with God for whatever might happen on this side of eternity, when he's already blessed us with eternity with him, it's like being mad at somebody for not buying your lunch when they've already paid off your mortgage. God has been so good, and I don't know about you, but there is, he doesn't need to do anything else for me to be any better. He's already been so good. And so on this side of eternity, if I have to wear a mask every day for the rest of my life, God has still been good. If, if racial uh, inequality or equality never happens, then, then God has still been good. If none of the things that I want to see happen in this lifetime, if those things never come to fruition, God has still been so good because he has given us eternity. 2 Corinthians 4 lets us know that these light afflictions, it says, these light afflictions which are still, which are but for a moment. This is an eternal standpoint when you see the things that we are going through on this side of eternity is light. They may not feel like light in the moment, but they're light when you compare them to eternity. The greatness of God's gift of life cannot be realized without comparing this life to eternity. Because when you compare this life to eternity, you see just how small this life is. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 18 says that we will spend forever with Jesus and that that should be uh, how we encourage each other. We should encourage each other with these words. And so when life gets down for your brother or sister, or when you know someone who gets in a pinch, 
if you know that that person loved the Lord, you shouldn't say, uh, don't worry, be happy. You shouldn't say when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. You should let them know that we get to spend forever with Jesus. You shouldn't tell them that it's going to be all right because guess what? On this side of eternity, it may not be all right. As a matter of fact, it may get worse. But we always have eternity to look forward to. And this sour lifetime, if it were stuck in a pot with an eternity of God's goodness, don't you know it wouldn't even be enough to change the flavor? That one grain of sand, when compared to the, every other grain of sand on earth, it just doesn't make a difference. God gave us life. We should focus on that. A month and a half ago or so, I had to take a trip to Texas. My grandmother, after 100 plus years, had passed away, and, and it was a great celebration to go to Texas and to celebrate her long life. And, and as I was making my way to, to Texas, I got to Mississippi right there in the middle of nowhere, and my car broke down. I find myself on the side of the road. I'm calling Allstate, and they're going to send a truck driver, a tow, dri- tow truck driver out to, to pull me to a place where I can get my car fixed. After a, an hour or so on the shoulder of I-20, the tow truck shows up. And when the guy gets out, I know that I am going to be in for a treat for the next 30 or 45 minutes. He gets out and he's wearing a concert Travis Tritt shirt. He's got a mouth full of chewing tobacco. Some of it is still lodged in his beard and on the Travis Tritt shirt. As he gets my car onto the trailer of his tow truck, every time he bends over, I see more of him than I'm really wanting to see. I think you're getting my picture here, right? He then points at me and tells me to get in the cab, and as I get in the cab of this tow truck, and we're going to spend the next 30 minutes together getting to the next city, he asks me, he says, where are you headed? And I say to Texas. He goes, what for? And I said, well, I'm headed there for a funeral. And then he asked me this. He says, are you a pastor? And I said, well, I am a pastor, but I'm not going to preside over this funeral. I'm really just going as a family member and to support my family and to celebrate my grandmother's life. At that point, he says, well, I'm an evangelist, and I begin to hear all of his evangelistic sermons that he has preached along that stretch of I-20 in Mississippi. He begins to point out all of his Jesus paraphernalia on the tow truck. You know those trucks that go by on the road that say truckers for Jesus or I love Jesus or whatever? I was in one of those kind of trucks. There was There was the Jesus is King sticker on the window. There was a cross hanging from the the rear view mirror. All of that was there. We get to our location, and after hearing all of those evangelistic sermons, I'm not going to lie to you. If I wasn't saved beforehand, I was sure saved after. But this guy was so good to me. We get to our location. He doesn't just dump my car there. He makes sure that I have everything that I need, that that all the parts are going to be there so that I can fix my car. Incredibly patient. It actually is going to cost a little bit more than my insurance company is going to pay. And so I've got that cash ready to give him. After everything is square, I walk over to where he is on the driver's side and I try to give him money. And he says, no, I'm not going to take it. Just get to Texas and, and get to the funeral. And 
And I said, but you have been so patient. Thank you. Here, take this money. And he wouldn't take it. And then he does something that I'll never forget. He leans out of that tow truck and we're in the throes of a pandemic, but he doesn't care. He sticks out his hand to shake my hand. He's not wearing a mask. And I grab his hand and he squeezes it. And he begins to quote to me, John 13, 34, and 35. In the King James Version, he says this, a new command I give to you, love one another. And he says, you should love one another as I have loved you. And by this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. He quotes those verses, shakes my hand, and then he says this. He says, I love you, looking deep into my eyes. And the only thing I knew to say was, I love you too. It was a crazy moment. It was awkward. I get my car fixed. I'm headed on the road. I've got my hands on the steering wheel. I'm replaying the last couple of hours. And as I think about that final awkward conversation with a fellow brother in Jesus Christ, I got to thinking, that's exactly it. As weird as it was and only a 30-minute long relationship, for him to know that I'm a Christian and he's a Christian, that both of us have put our faith and trust in the work of Jesus Christ, and for him to say, I love you, was right, and it was good. I, I think about John 1 when he says this, No one has ever seen God. The one and only Son, the one who is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. The reason we haven't seen God is because of our sin, because of the things that we have done wrong. But Romans 5 says God demonstrated his love toward us. God loves us, and he didn't give up on us. And even though that sin separates us, it says he demonstrated his love toward us, that while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. That is what Jesus has come to do, to reveal the love of the Father and Jesus made it clear in John 13, it is our job to reveal that we are disciples of his by loving one another. Jesus Christ came to be light. He came to bring life and he came to bring love. Maybe we just need right now to shake someone's hand, look deep into their eyes and say, I love you because that is what Jesus Christ has done for us.